everybody. Welcome to Revved Up for Sunday. We are the clergy of St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm Peter Walsh. I'm Elizabeth Garnsey. I'm Justin Crisp. The three of us get together every week to take a look at the gospel for this coming Sunday. This week, we're looking at the gospel for the sixth Sunday of Easter. The Easter season, the scripture that we have comes from the Last Supper, the Last Discourse. Jesus is trying to comfort his people for what's going to happen in his absence. So let's take a look. John 14, 23 to 29. Jesus said to Judas, not Iscariot, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I'm still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. Very dense, very packed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of packed, what's, one of the things that's going on in this passage is that the Trinity, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are going to pack the house of our souls. That's one of the things that Jesus is talking about. So you get the first... The first verse of chapter 14 here, those who love me will keep my word, which I think is a throwback to the giving of the new commandment we discussed last week. And my father will love them and we will come to them, the father and the son, and make our home with them. And then you get the, the giving of the advocate, the Holy Spirit there um, in, the, in the next paragraph of this chapter. This make our home with them in verse 23 is a throwback to the beginning of the farewell discourse at the beginning of chapter 14. So the farewell discourse begins right after the giving of the new commandment uh, and the, Jesus is foretelling of Peter's denials. And then the, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places, is the New Revised Standard Version. But uh, uh, if you're like me, you remember what you learned in Sunday school as a kid from the King James, which is, in my Father's house, there are many mansions, right? And I was always like, mm, yeah, 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 mansion, okay. Dwelling place, <laughs> meh, right? I don't want an apartment. I want a mansion, right? I like the, the mansion section of the Wall Street Journal on mm. whichever day of the week it comes out. Saturday. Uh, Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, no, we have I, a devotee of the I, mansion I, I, I section. Do, I do look at that section, but I can't remember. Uh, so the word mansion there, or dwelling place, in my father's house there are many mansions from chapter 14, verse 2, is a form of the, the Greek noun mone for mm-hmm. abode or abiding or dwelling place. And that's, that's exactly the, uh, the, the Greek word here for home. In verse 23, we will come to them and we will make our home with them. We will make our dwelling place, our abiding, our abode with them and so I think the sense is that uh, whatever's going on in the farewell discourse, right about love, 
about peace, about not being afraid, and so on. It's made possible by this indwelling of human beings by God, by the Spirit, by the Advocate, whom Jesus is promising he's going to send the disciples from the Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just where I, my head was going to with, um, in John, that theme of abiding and abiding in Jesus. And if you abide in me, I will abide in, I will abide in you. And um, I love that word, meno, that, about the home. And it's such a big theme throughout this gospel and also for the community because they are in crisis. You know, I think at this time that Jesus is, I mean, in the text and in reality, um, the the people in the text, the disciples, are in crisis. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus is about to leave them. What is he talking about? You know, um, and he's he's giving them this this sense of peace. And then the community, the community themselves of John, um, a century out or whatever it is, sixty years out, um, mm-hmm. you know, with Jesus gone. Um, there's a crisis, you know, I mean, this gospel begins with the word becoming flesh, the incarnation of God. And that's how they, you know, the incarnation of Jesus is the way that people can come to know who God is and what God is like. And, Mm -hmm. you know, God is, is given to them in the gift of his son, you know, so without the incarnation, uh, you know, without Jesus, is the incarnation over? I mean, they 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 really have no idea what's going to happen next, and and so I think for the actual disciples who lived and walked with Jesus, it's a crisis. But for the generation out, it's, I mean, is it over? Is is what do we do with this? You know, I think there is a lot of doubt probably that creeps in, and they have to solve for Jesus' absence. And Jesus has said all these things about how I'll never leave you and eternal dwelling place and all that. And how is this going to happen? So here John is spelling out something they've had time to really experience, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think the other Gospels don't articulate that the way that John's Gospel does because they're earlier it's not that they aren't haven't experienced it. It's just that they have. It's it, they're in it. You know, it's like wow. Um, Luke's gospel, of course, goes on to write about Acts and how, all the activity of the Holy Spirit and baptism and special gifts. And Paul's been writing about it to the Corinthians of the holy the gifts of the Spirit and how they manifest. And now, when we get to John, the latest gospel, we have we can see how the theology is sort of developing that oh, you know, Jesus is not gone. He's present with us, actually, in the Holy Spirit. Mm. And um, I don't think that we should go as far as to say, look, here's the Holy Trinity being taught by Jesus himself. or you know. But I think that the experience is clear, that they, they've had the actual experience of Jesus' presence with them mm-hmm. in the Holy Spirit in the way that this, you know true presence of reminding them all that Jesus taught, giving them eyes to see and ears to hear and understand in the looking back and remembering what he said and how to understand it in their new context. Um, you know, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's, it, it's for us too, because we go through these huge crises of, you know, right now we're in this hand-wringing period of oh, the churches are dying everywhere and there's not enough people going. Everyone's a nun, N-O-N-E. You know, and I don't think, I think Jesus would say the same thing. 
you know, if those who love me will keep my word, my father will love them. We will come to them and make our home with them. Um, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will teach you everything, remind mm. you everything you need to know. Peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I mean, this is how our mindsets can be put at ease now, not, not ease asleep, but open to what's next. And I don't think we have to be afraid. I think that this passage is for <clears throat> the future of everyone. You know, the disciples, the Johannine community, our communities, you know, this is how the Holy Spirit rolls, is to like keep reminding us of what Jesus said, keep giving us new meaning in our new context and, and let Jesus be present to us in however, in however we will allow him to make us home in us. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with each of you. I, I think that one of the things that I find particularly interesting is Again, what if we only had this gospel and we didn't mm -hmm. have the other gospels? Yeah. Or, uh, or vice versa. What if we only had the other gospels game. and yeah. we didn't have this gospel? Because we have, I mean, we have different voicing here. We have uh, nowhere in the nowhere in the synoptic gospels does Jesus talk about this. this use this word making a home, mm -hmm. uh, and it's right. only it's only used in these two places in exactly. chapter fourteen, which mm -hmm. I also mm -hmm. just really jive with. Uh, and and second, the whole question of abide. It, you know, all, all, the next chapter, which we're not going to do, it's not in the lectionary. We we get a huge cachet uh, in of I'm in the vine and you are the branches, where they use the word abide uh -huh. something like eleven times in one what we would call a paragraph. Right. And and that language is not you know not quite in the same way in the synoptic gospel. So we have all kinds of. Uh, unique uh, entrances, uh, in some sense mystical mm. entrances. John, the, this, the, the reverberations of the mystical gospel, where is, uh, where is the presence in our lives, whether or not it dwells within us, whether or not it's uh, by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a, a comment on the Trinity. So I was talking to Rob, who's back behind here, about his haircut. Rob's got a very stylish haircut. <laughs> you can't see it. Very stylish. And my barber... Um, is, uh, is I love my barber. He's a Muslim man, and so we were talking about Ramadan at one point, and we he asked me what I knew about Islam, and we got talking about Islam and Christianity, and I said something about well, e each one God, and he said, well, I don't. He's like, I don't believe that, and then I had to make sure he wasn't taking any more hair off. I don't have a lot of hair to take off, so I had to be careful. <laughs> uh, and he, you know, he was he was how is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit one God. Mm -hmm which is a really hard thing to explain in the barber chair when you come into the end of your cut. But anyway, in, in here we have the reverberations, the Trinitarian reverberations, right, of the, the, the reciprocity of love, the Father and the Son and their reciprocal love and mutuality and the sending of the Spirit, which is, in John's Gospel, has the echoes of, of the Spirit of Jesus, right? It's, it's not as though the, the personhood of the Spirit is not without Jesus. Is the, uh, so these are... These are these are Trinitarian elements of God. These are manifestations of God, which are both uh, distinct and, and in, in such communion with one another as to be the same, mm -hmm. which, as I said, again, is really rough for the barber chair. But um, that, that, that it's that, that what we have here, I think we constantly need to remind ourselves, is a spiritual story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. An experiential story, this too. Is, yeah, this is a story about spiritual world, mm -hmm. spiritual life. Where mm -hmm. is it? How, what's going on with it? What are you experiencing if you lean into it kind mm -hmm. of thing? Mm -hmm. and, and Jesus is constantly, I'm leaving, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. you, get, you get all of that here. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, you're right. It is a spiritual story, emphasis on the, on the 
spirit bit of spiritual. Um, I used to be uh, pretty down on the Holy Spirit. Not, not, not like I didn't like the Holy Spirit or something like that. I just didn't care. I just couldn't be bothered, right? The very for um, let's say the most. Um, I think it's an interesting spiritual exercise to think about, like which of the Trinitarian persons does one like you know naturally identify with, or with which one naturally identifies God. And so for a long time, I I was in the kind of God the Father kind of place where I was. I, I found the mysterious unknowability of God to be really captivating. I mm. found this thing which was beyond my comprehension, which, uh, you know, the, the, the hiddenness of God, God's unknowability, um, is sometimes um, associated chiefly with God the Father. Uh, so that was kind of where my spiritual life was for a while. And, and then I got really into Jesus. Uh, and I, I, I got really into the, into the, the incarnate son and I kind of, my theology became very Christocentric. My spirituality became very Christocentric. I was like, well, if it looks like Jesus is good, if it doesn't look like Jesus is bad. And I kind of, but again, both of those were kind of in my head, right? They were both kind of intellectual exercises. One was beyond my comprehension and the other one was within my comprehension. Uh, even if it looked like something which was boggling to my mind, right? You know, um, uh, you know, a, a God who a God who suffers, a God who serves, etc. But it was still mostly a thought exercise for me. But then, I um, once I began to realize that for the Apostle Paul in particular, uh, it's not that it's not present here, right? In John, I totally agree with you, Peter, that the Spirit here is the Spirit of Jesus, and the whole point of this farewell discourse. Uh, there are many points of the farewell discourse is so dense, but one of the points of the farewell discourse is I'm going away, but I'm also not because I'm going to give you the advocate and I am the advocate, right? Uh, and then, you know, and, uh, this is before you get into all of the like, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me and you are in me, so right. you are in us and you are in the in all that, which you get especially, I think, in chapter 17 in the high priestly prayer, which follows the um, the farewell discourse. Mm-hmm. But in any case, in in Paul's writing in particular, the Spirit is always the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus. And so the Spirit is Jesus with us now. And as I began to appreciate that, that, uh, that identity more, I became more and more attracted to the Spirit. Because often I found the Spirit to be like... Um, uh, just like uh, the way that Episcopalians in particular used, uh, often talk about the Spirit is just as like the feeling of collective effervescence we get when we pass a general re- convention resolution that we like an awful lot. And we're like, oh, well, that must be the movement of the Spirit, right? It happens to be something which we all like and, you know, really, uh, you know, gets our, uh, uh, gets our adrenaline flowing. We're like, oh, yeah, I really believe this. So that must be the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. It sounds like you guys are having a good time and you're calling that the Spirit. Uh, but um, when, you, when I began to think about the Spirit as Jesus with us, as how Jesus can be telling his disciples here, I'm going away, but also not. I began to seek the Spirit. I began to seek a more experiential and less strictly intellectual spiritual life myself. Um, and I would say that 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 for me has been um, a, a real transformation. I would say in the last four years or so of mm. my life. Yeah, really interesting. Especially during the pandemic, for whatever it's worth, um, mm. looking for experience of the spirit rather than simply for knowledge as an in intellectual knowledge of God, either by way of the Father or Jesus. And that plays super into this because in John's Gospel, the Father is seriously unknowable. Seriously unknowable. Uh, unknowable. <laughs> it's almost the whole point mm-hmm. yeah. of the Father. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting Jesus says the Father is greater than I. Oh, I was waiting for that till I end. know. I mean, I, I think the word greater is probably the key that unlocks that, that mm. passage, that what does he mean? He probably means 
transcends everything you've experienced to this point. Yet still, there's more to know than what you've seen in me. Mm. You know, I mean, I think perhaps Jesus is just because he says also, I have many yeah. things to say to you. You can't bear them now. I mean, the word greater is probably the the trap or the key. But um, I like the I love. I mean, it's in, in really captivating to hear you talk Justin about your relationship to Holy Spirit and Jesus and how they you know draw out certain resonance with individuals and I think that's true and I think the church has um well I loved what Carl I think Carl Bart is the one who said the church has to do its best but it's really only the church when the Holy Spirit is present mm -hmm. <laughs> something like that and mm -hmm. we can't really know when the Spirit is present it's sort of a, a, a semi-Calvinist approach to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, but I, I think that, you know, in my growing up experience, the Holy Spirit was a very scary proposition because it, mm. it was easily oh, wow. manipulated, easily um, not the Spirit itself, no, spirit, sure. yeah, yeah. you know, itself, but the idea of the Spirit was taken and you almost weaponized you know it was sort mm. of used as a manipulation to get people to believe certain things or act a certain way and um you know we just can't contain it that's the whole point is and i think throughout the old testament there's the the ruach or the panuma or whatever that it's called there that that appears and then disappears or comes for a certain god sends the spirit to speak to so someone mm -hmm and then it withdraws or so, something. So I think here Jesus, you know, has been God incarnate, walking the earth among us, with us, teaching us, mm -hmm. and promises that he'll never leave us. And then the spirit is suddenly like constantly with us or everywhere, like hovering over the, the world. And, you know, I love mm -hmm. the idea that it doesn't withdraw. Yeah. We withdraw, but not the spirit. You know? Yeah. And do you have so a, do you, now? I have a new oh, relationship good. with the Holy Spirit. And, and so, it, it, back to Justin's uh, interesting insight, do you lean into one portion of the Trinity in your well? I would go life for or your thought life, your prayer life. How do you? How no, do you do not that? anymore. I mean, I I do think that I I like to relate it all back to what I have this concept of God that mm. is, um, pan and and theistic, you know, where I think that God is in everything and everywhere. Um, and, you know, it doesn't mean like everything is God, but God is present everywhere. So I, I like to even transcend the person of Jesus in terms of the experience of, of a God encounter, you know, that the spirit is the one that maybe it's our eyes to see and our ears to hear or something, but I don't, I don't like to pin, I don't, I've never been totally comfortable with this, um, you know, siloed, it's not theologically correct either, but the, the Sunday school teachings have often been in tradition to give kids this idea of three things. Mm. And so I think already that's just too limited. And I love this more modern teaching about the flow of God, that the, God is energy and this, the Trinity is just the ways we experience this flow and it's a way of understanding, it's an icon for understanding a flowing relationship of creative power and love and everything returning to God and coming from God and flowing through the physical and the incarnate. Mm -hmm. um, so 
It is ambiguous. It's uh, it's more ambiguous than even I'm making it sound. <laughs> Again, it's hard to articulate. But I, I I don't pick out one or the other. No, and that's not what I heard you say either, oh, Justin. Yeah. That you do. But I'm I'm just saying that it is kind of a Rorschach test. I think that people, mm. if you ask them about the Trinity and who they like best, <laughs> you know, we'll get all sorts of answers. It's really interesting. Uh, so, I, well, who was it that wrote? Uh, um, was it Karl Rahner that said that ninety percent of, of contemporary theology or theology leaves out the Holy Spirit is, a, mm. is, is yeah, not about the Holy Spirit? Be. Only ten percent yeah. of theology is written about the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested that each of you. Uh, I, I mean, you grew up in a in a tradition or were exposed to a tradition for, a for yeah. the Spirit was very strong, mm. uh, and I grew up in a very traditional Roman Catholic household where the Spirit was there was no emphasis on the Spirit one way or another, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, really, and. Uh, and I was uh, uh, heard recently about Saint Augustine's uh, uh, when he was trying to sort all this out. Said like the sunshine, the, the sun itself, S U N, is like the Father. That the the mm-hmm. the, the rays uh, are like the sun, the revealing rays of the sun, and that the heat is like hmm. the Holy Spirit. Nice. Which is, he was uh, talking about how we might conceive of conceive of such things, uh, conceive of the life of the Trinity. I think mm-hmm. that passages like this are very good good for us uh, because there's a little bit of discomfort in them, I think, uh, at least there mm-hmm. is for me, uh, trying to trying to make sure we get, as you said, the house stuffed with all the elements of the, of, of the divine life, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit. And that, uh, that in this, uh, you know, there's much here that, that I have to learn in my own my own life, which is to, to learn more of the life of the spirit, even though mm. I've spent so much of my life in the so-called spiritual life, but the, the power of Jesus as the, the formative force in my life is stronger, I think. Uh, and, and, and the Father, the, 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 the uh, uh, creator, right, as, as we talk about in our, our, our creeds, um, uh, not much at all beyond the fact that it's uh, the divine um, transcendence, which I, find, mm. which I find really powerful and beautiful, but... Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is interesting, I think. Now, uh, as we, we're coming to the end here, um, we have, there's one thing we haven't even discussed, and I just want to touch it before we go out. Peace. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Well, mm-hmm. troubles, we are a world full of trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a world mm-hmm. full of fear. Mm-hmm. We can point to incredible examples of this. We have Jesus who doesn't give us the world gives, uh, and the peace that he is leaving us is not shalom. Uh, it's not It's not God's peace. It's Jesus's peace. I mm-hmm. leave you my peace. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know, I mean, I, I, there's a very powerful line for yeah. me that we are getting Jesus's peace. And mm-hmm. um, what, you know, I don't know if you, any of you have a thought about what does that mean that Jesus gives you his peace. Mm. I think it's the, um, for me, it's the peace of his presence. Um, I think that in the, you know, in this last supper scene, Jesus is riffing on some things which he says earlier in the, earlier in the Gospels. I, I just recently, um, just last week, preached a, um, preached a funeral for a, a 54-year-old dad, which was uh, incredible. I, it was an, it was um it was a very difficult experience. It was an incredibly holy and beautiful experience. I mean, it's an incredible honor to get to walk with families like this. I'll just say that uh, this dad's two sons gave two of the most incredible eulogies I've ever heard in my life. Right, um, and this this dad's um, 
favorite image for Jesus was the Good Shepherd, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. And in my sermon, I was reflecting on how um, you can't, a shepherd is not a job that could be done over Zoom. <laughs> it can't be done remotely, right? There's no way to be a remote shepherd. The shepherd has to be with the sheep. Uh, and so I think that one of the themes of the Gospel of John is that God is with us, right? God is making God's home with us. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son. You get all of this stuff here. I am going to be with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. Uh, and there's this, um, I think in the farewell discourse and in the high priestly prayer, right, chapters 14 through 17 of the Gospel of John, you're getting Jesus riffing on the connection between love and action, peace in our hearts, and the indwelling of the Spirit of God, which is his own spirit, Father dwells in him, he dwells in the Father, he dwells in us by the power of the Spirit, and so we can have the peace of his presence. The peace is not the absence of conflict, the peace is the presence of Christ in the midst of the conflict. And at the, the, my favorite line of the whole Gospel of John is the last line of the farewell discourse at the end of, um, at the end of chapter 16, and it's, uh, in the world you will have tribulation but take heart, I have conquered the world. That's it. That's the peace, right? In the world, you're going to have tribulation. It's not the, this peace is not the absence of conflict. The peace is the presence of Christ in it. Behold, he has conquered the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that my peace of Jesus is beautifully said, Justin. My peace is the peace Jesus had and has and, you know, walks through his own life on this earth, you know, constantly confronted and constantly um you know harassed by his own people to stop doing what he's doing and stop eating with sinners and stop breaking the law and stop breaking the sabbath you know and being cross-examined and doubted by his own disciples misunderstood and then led into an unjust death um and all through it he has complete serenity and complete sense of surrender to God and complete openness to whatever is going to be presented to him in any given moment. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, you know, the, the my peace I give to you, we are to grow into that sense of peace ourselves, you know, when we can really grasp that the spirit is with us and in us, there's really nothing that can harm us. And, we can die, we can be hurt and have conflict, but deep, deep within we're abiding in God, which has conquered every, which is everything. So I think, you know, it's not easy to live out, but there, until you experience that, you can't really understand it. I don't think. And I think that Jesus Mm. is just promising it. And and if, if we abide in his teachings and, um, you know, follow the way, the truth, the life, that he taught and walked and leads us into the peace grows, you know, we, we get that peace and um, we begin to experience it more and more. So in my contemplative practices that I've had for many years, I think that that's really what it is. You're like exercising the place of surrender, you know, second by second, moment by moment. It's like this letting go of 
everything so you can receive anything. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, so we are we are coming to the end, as I said, and uh, we have reminded ourselves always that Jesus is saying all these things uh, on the day before, the night before he dies. He speaks of peace. He speaks of uh, an advocate is coming to help you. He speaks of love. And as you mentioned before the podcast started, he, he speaks of abundance, abundant life too. So uh, uh, all of that and say uh, our hope in prayer for you uh, is that you might experience the fullness of what we've been discussing here, this love and this peace and this spirit and the Father and the Son indwelling in you. So we would love it also if you would like and subscribe and pass on our and respond to our conversations. For uh, Jesus does say to us to keep my word, and so we're working on keeping the word here. So God bless you with the word. Thanks for joining us. Take care.